Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. If you're thinking that it's not possible that you can change your career, that it's too much of a risk, then today's podcast is definitely for you. Today, I am chatting on Start, Scale, Succeed with Emma Branken, ex-lawyer and founder of jewelry brand Bauble Magpie, which has been trading now for about a year. Thank you very much, Emma, for joining me today. It's my pleasure. I'm very excited to talk to you today because I think you have you have such a great story and also there's a lot going on in your business, but you are you are inspiring. And I know you might not you might not feel that way, but I do actually think that you're inspiring in terms of what you do and how you're doing it. So without me, I know you, but the people that <laughs> don't know you. So can you give a little bit of background of who you are, what you do, what Bobble Magpie is and how you got there? Uh, well, yeah, I can try. I mean, I do get increasingly I get told that I'm inspiring, which is bloody lovely. Um, but, you know, I think I guess nobody ever hardly ever views themselves that way. But it's a really nice thing to say and, and to be told. But essentially, um, I come from a family whereby um, particularly about my mother's line, um, it's like a commandment that thou shalt have a career thou shalt have a profession specifically. Um, and so I was kind of carefully ushered into um, a career as a solicitor. Um I was a good solicitor. I was moderately successful um, and I worked almost exclusively, well, exclusively in the healthcare arena. So I advised NHS uh, clients. I um, advised primarily on ethical matters. Um, And then I also did some regulatory work, um, maintaining standards of uh, the professionals in the UK. Um, And I love that work. But I always had this um sense this feeling that I wasn't fulfilling my potential just a personal internal thing and a frustration because I've I've always kind of had this really egotistical belief that I'm destined for something and I really felt that I wasn't getting there and um I got really frustrated with things like bureaucracy um the status of healthcare in the UK um and um the challenges that I perceived rightly or wrongly with working in the legal arena with with reference to frankly um who got promoted how um who was the face that fits and who wasn't and putting it bluntly my face never fit um, my face never fit because I'm too individual I'm too outspoken I'm too honest um when I say honest, what I mean is I say what I think. Um, and that doesn't always go down well in the corporate environment. And, you know, I found that I was terminally banging my head against a glass ceiling, feeling really pissed off that people that I perceived as far less talented and able than me were being promoted over me. Uh, being told that I shouldn't have said this in a meeting, um, you know, getting appraisals, being told that I cared too much. Uh, I got too emotionally involved. Um, I was non-PC. I was non-political. Um, and you know what? It came to a breaking point and it was one of those things for me in my life. And I don't mind saying this, but my mental health was on its knees. 
um, I got a mental health diagnosis and, um, uh, you know, I got I got all the kind of standard HR support promises that one gets. And um, every, there's no other way to say it. Everything fell apart. You know, everything fell apart a little bit. Um, but like a phoenix from the ashes, um, I found Instagram. Um, which I have nothing but good things to say about, despite other people's perhaps views. And it changed my life. And I started Bobble Magpie as uh, a fun, fun thing for me to do during lockdown, just to find other like-minded people that enjoyed jewellery. It was purely a vanity project to showcase my own jewellery and talk about my love of jewellery and to say, oh, here's my new pendant. What do you think about it? Mm-hmm. And within six months, I made my first sale. That was June 2021. Um, It was a very successful sale and I was immediately bitten by the bug. Um, In July 21, I incorporated. In August 21, I found my niche product. In uh, winter 21, I had uh, a day with a very talented business coach who gave me some directions on... Uh, that was me, if you listen. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that was the one they had with me. <laughs> <and it wasn't laughs> Take that credit. Um, yeah, uh, I, I had a, a day with Nicole. I had a day with you where I think it's fair to say, Nicole, and you know, tell me if I disagreed, the basic um, tone of that meeting was, I'm on to something, but I can't cope. Help, you know, yeah. what, you know, let's get the house in order. And um, and from there, really, you know, it's just grown disproportionately, exponentially. I've worked very, very hard. I'm very, very tired. Um, But touch wood at the moment, it is on a trajectory that is, quite frankly, a dream come true. And where did the the love of jewelry? Because, like you said, you started your you started your business on Instagram and selling products on Instagram, like relatively high ticket items on Instagram. Um, but it, originally it was more antique jewellery and uh, in terms of what you had sourced and what you had found. Um, but where did this whole love of jewellery come from at the beginning, in, in, you know, to start with? Well, you know, it's in my DNA. It's from my grandma. So my business name, Bobble Magpie, was my Instagram account name. And it was just a silly joke. Well, it wasn't a silly joke, but the bauble part comes from my one of my closest friends, Kate, because we both love jewellery and we call them our baubles. Mm-hmm. And the magpie bit is, um, well, obviously there's connotations of magpie because of the bird that collects shiny things. Yeah. But actually it's my own private nod to my grandma, mm-hmm. who um, my happiest, some of my happiest childhood memories were faffing around in her jewellery collection with her. And she lived in West Yorkshire. And we used to look out of the window um, whilst faffing with jewellery and we used to count the magpies in her back garden. Um, So that's I mean, that's it. It's my grandma. Um, It's from those really happy times of um, looking at her jewellery collection. She taught me stuff uh, that I took into my business um, even many years later. I started in specifically antique gold because it's easy to price. It's easy to understand and it's easy to price. From there, I just had a business idea and flex my wings flex my muscles and and you went back to when we we met in an event and we were chatting first in term you were like oh god there's this deal so you have those people that don't know it's an intaglios or your kind of main um your usp in terms of what you do tell people what intaglios are uh right so essentially i sell um seals um and they're intaglios and um tassies um, but intaglios are uh, the thing that people in Georgian and Victorian times, I mean, they go back 
eons. So they started like in ancient Greek and ancient Egypt, but it was a way that somebody could sign something without handwriting. The seals that I repurpose into modern jewellery, their original purpose was to press into hot wax to seal a letter. And that would guarantee, one, that the letter hadn't been opened. The re- recipient could see that the seal was there. And then he'd look on the seal and he would see a coat of arms or he would see a monogram. And he would know that it was definitely from the person that purported to send it. So it started as like a security thing. And that was more kind of the Georgian era. But then if you think about things like um, Bridgerton and Pride and Prejudice and all those good novels, what happened when uh, Victoria, Queen Victoria came to reign was letter writing or specifically note writing became trendy. And people use these seals for the same purposes. But instead of using their monogram or their name, they used to use a cutesy little image. And then they gave their little note that said, Dear Betsy, would you like to come to tea and talk about Lord Farquhar at the ball last night? Just like we do now, (laughs) you know? And they would give it to their butler, who would put it on a silver tray, and he would literally trot across Barclay Square and deliver a letter to Betsy. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't so much about writing a letter about business matters anymore. It was about two girls wanting to gossip over a cup of tea and a scone. Yeah. Um, and, and and so, you know, that those are the items that I take out of um, these kind of desk fobs that would seal a letter. I put them into new jewellery and it, just because I think they're whimsical and romantic and sentimental and beautiful. Yeah. And they all have a lovely like if for those people who haven't checked out Emma's Instagram account yet, definitely go and check that out because you know you'll find there's so there's such a lovely story and I think you really educate the people that come on your um on your page like I haven't got a clue about jewelry but I'll go on and I'll kind of look at oh that means you know and you'll say oh this means this or you know that represents that and so you really get to understand the the feeling or and a lot of the emotion that's behind some of those intaglios as well which is absolutely they're so sentimental and they're talismanic which obviously for me from a business perspective is a great seller yeah. Um, but I think as well, you know, being the lawyer and capable of constructing an argument has really helped me almost translate that into my business now, because, you know, I get an image of two cherubs on a seesaw and I have to explain to my clients what that means. But, you know, different things mean different things to different people. I can tell my clients what I think it means and how I interpret it. But part of the beauty of my pieces is that it might mean different things to different people. And I love that. And it might evoke a memory or... Exactly. I get an awful lot of clients that want to honour um, somebody loved loved and lost. So um, they want to honour their father who's passed away or they want to honour their, their dog that's passed away. And also I get a lot of people who want to kind of mark a hard time in their life that they've come through. You know, okay. something shitty's happened. Yeah, and they've, they've grown and learned from it and they all it's a bit like getting a tattoo but not as dramatic you know it, it, it it's it's about remembering something that happened to you and kind of carrying that with you and we first met um so we were in an event and, and we were chatting and and you obviously have a lot of energy and you're saying oh you know I've got this opportunity but that means I have to spend this and I have to do this and you know and you were very much in two minds of whether you know and there were other opportunities that were presenting to you so your head was turned in a lot of different ways but you took that risk and you bought that stock you are a risk I don't do you feel you're a risk taker or Absolutely. I would say how many times in the day do you say fuck it do you know let's do it or whatever you know I would imagine uh, well you know in the last year I have um got a regular accountant this morning I got a regular lawyer yesterday I got a regular bookkeeper 
I have a regular photographer. I instructed my first model yesterday. I am going to New York for the first time. That happened this week. I have a stockist. I've got another stockist coming. And, you know, I've I've grown and expanded and basically gone balls out, shit or bust. There's just no way to... You adjust quickly to that mindset and it becomes, you know... I don't mind saying, but the transaction that Nicole's referencing uh, that I was talking to her about at the event, I spent £13,000 on a um, auction lot of a uh, historic um, collection of seals. And I did that to cement my business. They're pretty much all. Had you? You hadn't actually. actually I don't know if I'd seen them when I spoke to you, but I never went to see them in person. It was, you know, it was ballsy. But also, do you know what? Best decision ever. And now um, that £13,000 at the time, I didn't have that money and I had to hustle like a badass to get that money. You sold a lot of your antique jewellery to get it. I did. I did. I I, I took one of my personal chains into a pawn shop. You know, I made it happen. I I raised most of the cash myself. Yeah. um, But, you know, the last two grand, that was a necklace of mine from my personal collection, which is now back with me. Mm -hmm. It's a fucking huge risk. But... um, best decision ever yeah without doubt and I've sold them all and do you how do you look at risk or how do you weigh it up um my gut Mm -hmm. and what I would say is um and I don't mind don't mind saying this but um it'll probably not surprise anybody who's listening to know that Nicole and I have had a little chat beforehand or where we kind of talked about the parameters of the conversation and Nicole raised the fact that I'm quite candid about my mental health. And I think that this is relevant to this discussion. But I have a diagnosis of bipolar 2, which used to be called manic depression. As a side note, I much prefer manic depression. I think it's far more glamorous. Um, You know, bipolar 2 is just a bit of a bloody, you know, it's a bit of a nothing word that we use now. I'd rather be called manic depression. Feather boa declining. Well, it's far more more sexy, isn't it? You know, it's far. It evokes kind of uh, heroes of the past. I don't want to be bipolar. I want to be a manic depressive. But I think actually, because the the, the discussion we had um, focused my mind a little bit. And do you know what? I'm kind of learning to love my bipolar, which I was diagnosed with at 40. So that's four years ago now. Um, But I think it's kind of my kryptonite, but also my superpower, Mm -hmm. because I think it gives me more balls than most people, i.e. a more kind of cavalier attitude to risk, a more fuck it attitude. I'm, I'm bolder. I make bolder choices. I go for it. Shit or bust. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? And I spent so long kind of feeling squashed and told that I was too much. Uh, Honestly, sometimes I've referred to it as a friend to a friend. And, you know, I hope this doesn't offend anybody. But sometimes I feel like somebody who's been a homosexual all their life and come out of a closet. Okay. I do. There's definitely been this fuck it on me now. I'm not going to hide my light under a bushel for anybody. And if anybody doesn't like it, well, they can jog on, you know. So, yeah, I think I definitely have a if I'm a little bit manic, I can work harder and and feel braver. And I I definitely think that it is relevant. And do you and just speaking of your mental health, because you're very honest about that in general, you're honest here and you're honest on your Instagram about, you know, you'll you'll put a post up or you'll put a story up with just the text that says, you know, I need some I'm having to take some time out or I'm taking a step back um how do how do you come out of it then or is it does it just last for a few days and then pass or what is there anything that helps you come out of it and how do your customers and your followers react to it um well there's no rhyme or reason um I don't know I'm getting better with the help of uh, my therapist 
mm-hmm. um, and my regular medication. I'm getting better, better at identifying when I'm nosediving. So I'm getting better at stopping before I hit such a low. And I think that enables me to come out of it quicker. Um, I will say, resoundingly, there are less bad days. Like, will that continue? I don't know. But I'm no longer around peg in a square hole. It's part of this authenticity thing that my clients, the other thing that I get a lot is they love how real I am. Yeah. Because it's not all farts and flowers on my page. You know, I try and be real. I try and say if something sucks. Mm-hmm. I complain about the war in Ukraine. Uh, uh, you know, I, I I talk, I hope, passionately and honestly about things that move me. Uh, and it's not always hearts and flowers. It just isn't. Um, and I think people relate to that because this this thing on social media that we can get of people projecting this aspirational bullshit image of a perfect life well one it makes me puke and two I don't know anybody whose life is really like that and I try really hard not to do that I try just to be myself and you know what so far it's working and on the instances when I've had to say I'm knackered I'm um because you know I won't lie at the moment I work seven days a week I don't see much of my son and um I don't have a social life and I work at least 12 hours every day it's what I need to do it's what I want to do but when I do occasionally say you guys I've got to tap out I get overwhelming support and love on my dms and in the public forum people get it and I think I feel very strongly like if I got a platform if my business and my brand became so successful that I could look to do work that makes me feel good but apart from my jewelry I'd love to have a platform to talk about the fact that, in my belief, most people have a mental health condition of some kind. You know, if you're not a depressive, you've got OCD or anxiety. It is a a phenomenon of the modern world we live in, in my opinion. Um, And and so I I really want to address the stigma. And I really want one of the things that drives me is to demonstrate people to people that you can be somebody like me who has a chronic mental health condition that they have to live with and manage, but who can also fucking kick ass. Yeah, that's the aim. Talking about kicking ass. So you mentioned New York earlier on. You have got a trunk show happening in New York in when is it next week? Oh, geez, I don't know. What day is it today? Uh, I fly out on the 8th, I come back on the 12th. Absolutely. So I will be in West Village um, on the 9th and 10th um, doing a trunk show. And on the 11th, I've kind of got that set aside. If the trunk show is a disaster, I'll go sightseeing and cry and spend money I don't have. If the trunk show is a whopping great success, I might have to go and see more clients. And how did that come about? How did the trunk show come about? Um, well, my PR, who is a very wise woman, said to me a long time ago when I first retained her, she said to me, Emma, the most successful entrepreneurs jump out of the parachute and they stitch, they jump out of the aeroplane and they stitch the parachute on the way down. Mm-hmm. And that just resonates with me. So the trunk show is like that. So I am fortunate enough now that I have got Hollywood A-listers, quite literally Hollywood A-listers in my DMs. Because I'm fortunate enough to have had a career where I've occasionally had to advise people like politicians directly um, and dealt with people that have maybe been in the media for bad reasons, I kind of don't get overfaced by celebrities, um, possibly also because I've got a massive ego myself. So I just talk to them. You know, I always think we, you know, I'm so crude, but we all shit. Do you know what I mean? So I talk to them like I would talk to any of my clients. Uh, Some of them like it and some of them not so much. Um, 
But I've got to this position now where I have a handful, maybe two handfuls of A-list names who are DMing me and saying, are you ever in New York? And I've had plans to go and see my stockist in New York for a while, but because her business is growing and she's under pressure, there, it's been a bit of a movable feast about when I'm going to go. And so what I did was I picked up the phone and I said to her, Camille, I feel like I'm riding the zeitgeist. I feel like I've got opportunities and I feel like I've got to come to New York City. Now, what I would like to do is host people uh, both by appointment and footfall um, in your shop because um, you've done me favours by stocking me. And it's women supporting women in business, which I love. Uh, I want to return the favour by hopefully bringing some names into your shop that people might see. We might get a selfie. Um, would you be kind enough to let me essentially do a trunk show out of your shop? So it was my idea. I put it on her. She's not really completely ready because there's still a little bit of fine tuning on the shop. But I, I just had to say to her, my gut is telling me that the time is now and I've got to get my ass over. I can't wait any longer. And of course, because she's savvy and kind and wonderful, she was like, hell yes, let's make it happen. So literally that happened last week. Literally, I spoke to Camille and I thought, before I change my mind, I'm booking my aeroplane tickets. And I did it and it was bloody expensive because everybody wants to be in New York in December. Yeah. I haven't booked a hotel yet. And um, I'm not going to lie, I spent about 36 hours immediately after making that booking absolutely crapping myself. And that's sort of, does your success that you had surprise you? Yeah, it absolutely astonishes me, you know. I am on a weekly basis reduced to tears by the kind things people say to me about me and my brand. Mm-hmm. Um, when people send me a message that says, thank you for talking about mental health or your shitty day, or I needed to hear this today, or I love I love the work and what you do and how much you care about it. I, I, you know, I am not some hard ass. Well, I am some hard ass, but I'm also a mere mortal of flesh and flesh and blood with my own emotions and hang-ups and stresses and the rest of it. And when I get a client who's delighted with a piece of work or when I get somebody who says, I am saving up to buy a piece of your jewellery or thank you for being honest, it makes me weep regularly. Was that, have I even answered the question you asked? Yeah, so yeah, I'm astonished. But at the I same think- point in time, there's this really weird dichotomy because I have imposter syndrome and anxiety and a mental health condition and I doubt myself uh and I have my own demons mostly created by middle-aged men in the law and um but also on the other side of the coin I think I'm fucking ace so (laughs) I don't it's it's crazy I can't explain it and do you what do you fear most with the business if I'm completely honest um my goal is not to be a millionaire my goal is to be happy um who knows whether I'll ever achieve that um but my biggest fear is what drives me if I can kind of put a, sw- a twist on it because I can't think how to answer that yeah. what drives me is proving everybody wrong okay uh, everybody who said that I wasn't as great as I thought I was or or that you know I was no good as a lawyer or you know all of that shit all of that narrative it 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 was a canker and a cancer in my life for the longest time and it still is but slowly, 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 I'm turning the wheel on the ship and I'm turning all that negative crap into success. I'm driven to prove all these uninspiring dullards who, you know, lawyers, um, I'm driven to prove them wrong. So my biggest failure is not proving them wrong. Okay. And what do you feel that you have 
learned the most either about yourself or the business since you've started? Um, I, I mean, it, I was thinking about this the other night and it's so difficult because I've learned so much. Um, but I think um, I'm pretty good at what I do. I'm pretty good at problem solving. What I suppose what's really surprised me is I thought about I thought that the jewelry world and the legal world were a million miles away. And I think most people on the Clapper omnibus would say the same thing. But one thing that really has helped me in the transition to my new career mm-hmm. is actually my legal background, because I have a 20 year trained commerciality. I know how to um, litigate. I know how to spot lies. I know um, how to negotiate. Uh, and I know, I know, I like to think I know when to be soft and when to be hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think my commerciality that I got from advising large healthcare organizations has really translated well into being able to run a business uh, there's a lot of jewelry brands and jewelry businesses that in my opinion aren't terribly business-like like make no mistake I am a business yeah. um and I think that's really important because there's a lot of people there that do it for the love and yeah that is their living but inherently they're creative they're artistic perhaps they're not con- too concerned about the profit they make perhaps they're not too concerned about being stocked in New York or or whatever perhaps they're a shitload happier than me I don't know but I'm a a business yeah it's more a lifestyle business slash hobby that covers expenses and that kind of people whereas you are there to make profit and very conscious of the profit and what you're spending yeah uh, uh, my end goal is to sell the business at a reasonable age that is well below the retirement age and to buy a house with a sea view and a lemon tree have you got a a view on the value that you would like the business to go for? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Uh, a house with a lemon tree and a sea view in the in in the probably in the Mediterranean. And, what, but, whatever that costs, <laughs> and and some playtime money. Uh, Enough. So, well, my my son's autistic, mm-hmm. um, and he's very very clever. He's in mainstream school. Um, but enough money so that if he is not well suited to the working world or he chooses a job um, that he enjoys because of his narrow focused interests, um, that I will have enough money that he can do what he wants. Those two things. And where do you think, where would you like to see the brand in the next 12 months? I mean, considering how, I mean, you've you've done, um, we're not, if you want to share a turnover, do, but if I'm not asking you to if you don't want to, but you have done phenomenally well in a year where, you know, you're about to launch a website. So you've been basically selling items that are high ticket to your DMs on Instagram and on Instagram, which I, I absolutely, I watch your account and I see sold, just gone, one left, whatever it might be. And, you know, people are buying things that are, you know, obviously do bespoke stuff as well, that can have diamonds around it and make beautiful items. Um, so over the last kind of 12 months, it's really, and I see the new things landing that we talked about in terms of the rings and the the clippable bales and all of that, which I love seeing the kind of, you know, from how that those are being introduced. And then, and once your website goes live, that'll be another step for you. Where do you have a, a vision of where you see the business going in 12 months or where, you know, where would you like it to be? Well, you know, global domination. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like I am a horrible ego monster. Huge, big, go hard, go home. What's the fucking point? You know, maybe yeah. that attitude is the difference. I don't know. Um, all being well, fingers crossed, my jewelry is going to be on the front cover of a UK national broadsheet. Uh, their weekend supplement. We're waiting for that. Should be December. 
Um, that is not about my jewellery. It is a celebrity wearing my jewellery because she chose to. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be doing a lookbook. Um, the sky's the, for me. The sky's the limit. What do I want to see? I want to see. I, I want to see a stockist in London. I want to see a stockist in New York grow and make all more orders. I want a stockist in California. Yeah. Uh, I probably want a stockist in Vancouver and Texas. Um, and is so, that yeah, where I, one of your audiences is? A lot of it in the states. Is that where? So you... it probably helps to say that about ninety-five percent of my sales are to the US, Canada, and with a strong market up and coming in Hong Kong, Japan, Dubai, those places. Men are starting to buy signet rings from me now, which is great um, uh, because they absolutely should be. Um, it, my brand is absolutely, I always say bisexual. I don't mean that. It's, it, it's you know, it's for everybody. Animal, men, animal, mineral, vegetable, I don't care. But I think realistically in 12 months, Nicole, what I want to be done is stocked in more major cities, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Melbourne, uh, Tokyo, Hong Kong, yeah. um, London. And when you say global domination, you actually do mean global domination. Well, I don't consider that local do- global yeah. domination. I consider that good stockists. Um, yeah, global domination is when I'm when I'm on Forbes and Time. Uh, but yeah. that's not that's not in a year. Give me three. You know, do I sound like an awful megalomaniac? <laughs> no, I think the thing is that you know, obviously, I know I know you. It's there's the belief, which is great, but then there's the proof of the pudding, which you've already done. That's a true. It, that's true. And do you know what? Like, I think if anybody is listening to this that's starting out a business, um, and I think probably, Nicole, you, you, I, I imagine you'd support this. It's like, like my business mentor says it never gets any easier, but I'm not sure I agree with that because if you do it right, you get systems in place, you yeah. outsource um, the shit that you don't like doing or the stuff that is is not your wheelhouse. Um, and really, I don't know this because I've got nothing to compare myself to, but I suspect I've done that very quickly, you know, getting a PR, um, getting a photographer, uh, starting to work with models, uh, getting a bookkeeper, getting an accountant. Um, this morning I was talking to a lawyer about trademarking. I am on with it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think with you, because you because the funds are coming, you've got the cash flow in the business to do it, <laughs> whereas some people, <laughs> fingers crossed, um, whereas some people may not, are doing, are probably juggling, I mean, I'm not saying that you're not juggling, you are juggling. And But I think, like you say, in terms of, when we first met like 12 months ago in term you were trying to do everything yourself and like you say that wasn't your strong point so you were you were drowning in admin the the systems and the processes were a bit all over the place and non-existent yeah whereas now that's a lot calmer you know well you know the things that probably need to be done but you know it's a lot more we're getting there. And what I find is there's peaks and troughs. And probably today's a bad day because my admin at the moment is a bit of a wreck. But that's why I retained a bookkeeper yesterday yeah. um, to get the house back in order because I've got busier again and it slipped out of my control again. And you know what? I don't want to do it anymore. You know, um, it's not best use of my time. Best use of my time is faffing around like the big I am at front of house. Um, that's what I like to do. It's what I'm good at. And it's what I'm going to do. Um, however, I think like, for example, my friend Sophie, who taught me everything that I knew, she was one of like my first two mentors. She's like, I'm still talk to her on a daily basis. She taught me everything that I needed to know about selling gold. She was very generous, um, with her time and her expertise, but 
her attitude to risk for reasons of her own, which I won't go into, is a lot lower than mine, right? She likes to have X in the bank because that helps her sleep at night, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't have that. I will sell out on things that is a bit of a bloody reach, mm-hmm. um, like booking a model for my photo shoot next week. That's, uh, you know, a grand that I have to find that I hadn't really planned on, but it feels like the time might be right. Um so I think I probably do it and then work out how I'm going to pay for it as opposed to the other way around, yeah. which is probably hugely stupid. But it's 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 what I do. If I'm really brutally honest, it's not for everybody. And it's what I do. I like like the auction buy right at the beginning. I committed to spend thirteen and a half thousand pounds. I rang the auction house. I said, I'm a new business. I can't pay for this immediately but I will pay for it and I will pay for it within a month and they were like that's fine Mrs Brankin please keep in contact with us and you know what I'd paid them off in three weeks yeah um and I do I agree I think you're right in terms of the way you operate it may not be for everyone um but you can you can tolerate it from a stress point of view to a point you know, in terms of because some of the things that you do might be quite stressful for others, but it's what it's how you operate. And I think you know your own boundaries and you know yourself. You seem oh, to there's absolutely t- there's absolutely times when I'm too stressed and I'll have a little cry and go upstairs to bed. There are yeah. absolutely times that happens, but I I know that I bring that upon myself. It's my own stupid fault, um, yeah. but it's part of my DNA. But what I would say, and this is probably possibly not applicable to the vast majority of business owners. But if you were starting a jewellery business, I think possibly it might be the cleverest thing that I ever did completely unintentionally by accident. But now I'm like, this is what helps me sleep at night, is that at any time, I always ensure that the stock that I own outright and specifically that is very easily disposed of for that. I'm talking about gold and diamonds. Mm -hmm. I always ensure that I have more value of stock at cost scrap trade re, you know dispose of it quickly price than my debts yeah so that if so you know that if, you can trade it yeah if, at the moment I own my manufacturer a lot of money right and I had just had a chat with him about it this morning okay and I said to him Chris if the shit hits the fan and you say to me pay your full bill or I'm going to wind up your business do you know what I'd do I'd go down I'd get all of my gold out of the safe I would go to Hatton Garden and I would flog it at scrap and I would pay my bill mm-hmm. so Whilst I am wildly risky, that what if you want to say, how do you sleep at night? How do you cope with your stress? That's the answer. If the shit really hit the fan, I'd sell all the gold and I would pay off my debts. And and I was going to ask you, what would you do if you couldn't fail? But I think you operate as if you can't fail anyway. Do you know, or what do you think? Um, well, again, it's like a kind of, I do not have a split personality, but it's a split personality thing. Like I have an amazing game face. It's part of having been a litigator. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of who I am. I, I have the face that I use, for example, in podcasts like this, when I'm being very confident and I am talking about my success and I'm talking as though I can't fail. Do not be mistaken. I will ring my business mentor and I will say, I can't cope. It's all going to be a disaster. What if I go to New York and nobody comes and I don't make any sales? I have all of those fears. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt. I have imposter syndrome. I doubt myself. I go upstairs, I get in my bed at three o'clock in the afternoon and I have a little cry regularly um I've forgotten the question but you know uh, but I think you have to for the most part feel the fear and just fucking do it Mm -hmm. feel the fear and do it anyway 
otherwise you're never going to go big yeah no I I agree it's that whole comfort zone kind of thing because you just if it scares you and excites you yeah I think David Bowie said something about um creatives and he said that the the moment that you kind of not pushing yourself you're comfortable with your lyrics or your music that's when you that's when you're kind of uh, what's it called coasting you know you, yeah. you need to push yourself and uh, if you don't have a high bar if you don't have high expectations of yourself and I'm talking about the sales you make um, the future for your brand and the quality of your items if you don't have that exacting demandingness of yourself and the knowledge and acceptance that ultimately a hundred people will shit on you but the book stops with you mm-hmm. you know it's not ne- you're never going to do it. It, it, it that's like hard truth and one of the questions I asked you was about does your success surprise you um let's just revisit that a second yeah so uh, one of the things that I I kind of had like mentally noted to say was what has really surprised me since I changed career and you know as we've talked about kind of came out of the closet and been like this is me and I'm fabulous and I'm not not hiding myself any longer I think you should walk around with them you know the uh what's the sound tune for or the theme tune from um the greatest showman you know oh, this is me <laughs> Well, I, you know, I favour I Am What I Am by Gloria Gaynor, but yeah, okay. they, they both work. Um, but one of the things that's really surprised me is I've never, ever thought of myself as a creative person. And that is because I can't draw. Mm-hmm. I'm no good at drawing. The chances of me hand making a piece of jewellery are negligible. I couldn't do it. I'm not good like that. I was rubbish at design at school. Rubbish. I was rubbish at art at school. Um, I don't consider myself creative. But what I've realized is actually I have two types of creativity and I am very creative. One of them is I have uh, the gift of the written word. People like what I write in my captions. That's a type of creativity. It's a type of being able to communicate with people. And the other thing that's really surprised me is that I have all these creative ideas for my for my seals. They just keep coming. They keep flooding in. And it's almost like now I've freed myself up from not doing the career that I was never meant to do to maybe doing a career that perhaps is better suited to me. Um, Whether you want to call it jeweler or entrepreneur or whatever, it's like a block has gone and the creativity is flowing. So, yeah. I think it's kind of important to say that that has really surprised me that actually I might not be able to draw a design. I might not be able to build the design, but I'm a real ideas person, a bit of a starter, not a finisher. If I'm going to criticize myself, but yeah, I, I, the, the ideas are coming. And I think that's important. Like you say, once the, the clouds lifted that the, you know, the ideas can flow. And for people that are in, um, are, you know, either managing something, whether it's a side hustle or whatever, it's important to take that time, try and take that time that you can really focus to let those or to, to let those ideas come and be creative and be commercial. And yeah, it's like a weird balance as well because, like Nicole, I from what I know of you, I think you're a little bit spiritual, and I don't consider myself to be spiritual at all. But one thing that I will say, and I think this is a really good tip for creatives and business people, is that I have, and this sounds bonkers but I swear it's true like I have lucid dreams that's how my business started I had a lucid dream about doing intaglios right um so in the in kind of four and five o'clock in the morning I will often wake up and I will have dreamed about something and it's all too easy to say well that's ridiculous but actually what I do now is 
I mentally note it or I write it down. And I think, well, it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm not really in a position to think about this properly. But you know what? I'm just going to look at it again the next day. And I swear to God, every time that I've done that, there is not one of them that I haven't pursued. So recognize that your brain works 24-7, right? And when you're not worried about getting your corned beef from Tesco's or picking the kid up from school because you're asleep and the, the, the corned beef's in the fridge and the child's asleep, um, sometimes that gives you this, your brain whilst you rest the space to have creative ideas. Do not ignore them. Absolutely. And what would you say is your, you know, your kind of parting words to people that are thinking of setting up their own business or already setting up already already in business what would you be your advice to them I think more globally you know life is short uh life is hard it's it's shit being unhappy so if you are dissatisfied or feel like you're not fulfilling your potential or you've got an idea but you're crapping yourself because you've got a mortgage and children and responsibilities just love yourself enough to give yourself the opportunity to do what you always wanted. Go oh, for it. Love that, Emma. Thank you very much for joining me today. And I hope you, those of you who are listening that you have enjoyed the episode. And if you have, if you can leave a review for Start, Scale, Succeed, I would very much appreciate it. I'll be back again next Thursday with another great guest. And Emma, where can people find you? I know the website's coming soon. So at the moment, it's just, it's mainly, it's Instagram, isn't it? Yeah, I'm essentially only on Instagram. Always happy to chat on DMs. And I'm just at bauble underscore magpie. I'm sure Nicole will link that for me because it's a nightmare to spell because I wasn't thinking about it when I started it. Uh, I should have picked something really easy, but I didn't. And now I'm stuck with it. Thank you very much, Emma. That link will be in the show notes. And I will see you listeners next week. (laughs) Thanks so much, Nicole. Bye.